Hello, I'm Matt Peterson. And I'm Rich Trapier. And this is the best of 2022. Rich, what a year. I And I'm not just saying that. I know we always say crap like that when we do this thing, but looking back over what we played and what we did, what we were able to do together, I thought 2022 was really a banger year for, for wargaming, at least in our world. Yeah, yeah, for me too. I am um, early in the year. I found out that I had some work schedule changes, and it was going to cause me to. I, at first, I thought it was going to cause me to miss both of the cons that I planned on going to. Luckily, I was still able to make one of them. Um, but I was started off the year with a big disappointment in that. But the way it turned out, I I can't complain. I'm a got a new job, and I got to play lots of games last year. So I'm happy. That's that's great. If this happens to be the first time you listen to us, well, welcome. And if you're a returning listener, things are going to be a little bit different this year. We'd, we've talked about it before. In the past, we kind of broke everything down by best category and then gave you our best of the year. And I don't know. That didn't really make sense for us anymore. One, we were actually talking before we started recording. Neither of us are big Napoleonic gamers yet. So what's the point of talking about a best Napoleonics category? Yeah. I didn't end up playing any magazine games this year. So. <laughs> I played some small games, but yeah, no magazine games either for me. So here's how things are going to look this year. We're, we have a top six. I don't know why six is our number, but it tends <laughs> to be the number we go with. And we're going to start at number six, working till number one. And in between, we've got other questions. Things like biggest disappointment, publisher of the year. And then if you're familiar with our past episodes, we also have recordings from a bunch of special guests. Looking forward to those. Some quality, solid recordings this year yeah so this is our 2022 um, which means that some of the games did not come out in 2022 they were new to us in 2022 but that's the nice thing about having a hobby that we have is there are you know 50 years worth of great games out there that we haven't played so um, if we played a game from 1984 and we played it for the first time last year it goes onto last year's list yeah it qualifies New to us is the threshold, uh, and yeah, we're all over the place. This isn't limited to 2022 games. How did you, I'll talk about mine first, but process of ranking, for me, I actually took every single thing that was new to me, whether it was a hot pile of garbage or whether it was you know, the one of the best games I've ever played, and I considered every single game against each other. And I narrowed that list down to about the top 20, and then I kept re-ranking it until... I got to the top six, and even up until recording, I was still a little unsure on my number six. Yeah, you put a lot more time and effort into it than <laughs> I did. I did the stuff that I remembered. I did actually go back and look at like my my board game geek list of things that I had played and stuff like that. And um, there was obvious there was a couple that we'll talk about later that just obviously jumped right out at me. Um, mm. But other than that, it was just just a sort of feeling I had about certain games and. You know, if you ask me again in a few weeks or a few months, especially after I get to play some of them again, it could change. But that's where we stand right now. little spoiler for the list. Only one crossover, which in years past we, we have crossed over. I mean, just by virtue of the nature of our podcast, we play a lot of the same games. Yeah. Um, but not a ton of crossover this year. Yeah. 
And I think the last thing I'll add is there'll be two, a few other things to wrap up the show. We'll mark it like clearly if you're only here for the war game stuff. We wrap up the show with like best fiction and best TV shows. All that stuff's gonna be at the end of the episode. But after we do our top six, we also play a little game where we revisit our every war game ever list. So this is the one time a year that games are allowed to shift up or down our list. And then we can also add games that we know we're never gonna feature on the show. You know, for example, Risk although we're not going to put risk on the list, but there's a good example. It's something everyone knows, or maybe another game that I'm going to throw out tonight. It's just not worth diving into and dedicating an episode to. So this is the time of year those get added as well. Risk versus Zeppelin Raider, Matt, go. Mm, Zeppelin Raider. <sighs> oh, wow. I think I've made now a terrible we may have to rank it so the Zeppelin Raider can get out of the basement. But now I'm kind of thinking about it, and maybe we need a Risk episode because, you know, Risk at least has the nostalgia effect. Yeah. But it's, got, it's got a zombies version. Sure. Uh, you know, I've heard the uh, legacy version is actually a ton of fun. The <laughs> the inspiration for uh, Pandemic. Yeah. Legacy. Yeah. All right. Am I forgetting anything, Rich? I don't think so. Let's jump into it. Let's Let's get going. So let's start with our number six game of the year. Yeah, do you want me to go first? Yeah. Number six game of the year for me was Thunder at Dawn. So this is a Civil War game set uh, right here in Missouri. It's part of the Blind Sword system. And I've played a few of the Blind Sword system. And um, this one just came out. I think it just came out this year. I I know I just got it this year. And I think I got it when it first came out. Um, But I just... I just loved it. It's a great addition to the system. I, I think that the uh, the battlefield itself on the map is really interesting. I like the way the artillery has longer range on this one than it does on some of the other ones, you know, comparatively on the map. So had a great time with it. It's a great game. That's my number six. Yeah. Thunder at Dawn. Uh, yeah. That's 2021 release from Revolution Games, and that's covering Wilson's Creek right here in Missouri. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'll just add real quick. Blind Swords just missed the list for me this year. It's not my first out, so we'll, we'll address that, you know, what was our number seven, if you will. But I did play A Greater Victory last year and had a blast with it. But I just, my top six was really crowded. And so A Greater Victory found itself looking, was outside looking in. I suspect if I had played and spent a good amount of time with Thunder at Dawn, I w- I'm suspecting I like that a little bit more, but won't know until I try it. Yeah. Thunder at Dawn's great addition to the series, and it's a great uh, game day game because it doesn't take too long to play. Very good. My number two, or no, I'm the second <laughs> one up. That's what that it's number means. It's got a means. two in it. That's right. Uh, number six is Second Fleet. So just a recent ranking for us. I like everything about this game. I like the the segments that the game is carved up. If you're unfamiliar with the Fleet series, go check out our episode on that. But this is Naval Warfare, and it's Naval Warfare done really, really well. I am cautiously optimistic for a return to the series. I hope they don't try to change too much because the core of Second Fleet is solid, and it doesn't need to be messed with. Yep, excellent game. Very playable. That's That was almost my surprise of the year was how playable the game was. Mm. Yeah. Great. Speaking of surprise of the year, look at that segue. I know. Biggest surprise of the year. Why don't you go ahead? Uh, for me, it was Brotherhood and Unity, and I think it just came down to the fun factor. Um, I just didn't really know much about the game, but I looked at it, and you know, I even saw some. I I saw you playing at Historic Fest before I played it, and I thought, oh, yeah, whatever. It just it 
didn't really grab my attention or anything. The theme, you know, the, the Bosnian Civil War didn't necessarily interest me, but I sat down and played the game a few times, and the fun factor on that one is just through the roof. So that was my surprise. Well said. I also picked some fun games, and I cheated and picked two because they were surprises for the same reason. Flashpoint South China Sea and Red Flag over Paris, especially Flashpoint, just because I really didn't think I would like Flashpoint. And then after I played it, I really didn't think there was going to be any kind of depth to the game. Even after my first play, I was like, this feels a little shallow. The more I play it, the more I enjoy it, the more the depth reveals itself. I will say the theme could be shopping for different kinds of onions in a grocery store. <laughs> It's the it, the theme does not really come through in this game, but yeah. the mechanics are sound. It's a great short card driven game. Now, Red Flag Over Paris feels way more thematic to me, and it was another surprise because past experience with Fort Sumter, I played Fort Sumter kind of going into Red Flag Over Paris to get experience with it. It's just a deeper game than Fort Sumter. It takes that base of Fort Sumter, you're playing cards, move cubes around this abstracted kind of map. Uh, it it's just those improvements on the base of Fort Sumter set it way ahead of of Fort Sumter in my eyes. Nice. And this is a good time and, to and we'll go ahead to that one. Yeah, and I'm gonna go ahead and this is a good as good a time as any to mention that our January episode we can announce that our featured games will be the short game extravaganza. So. Thank you to all of our Patreons over the year. Their vote, final vote for 2022 was voting on our January game. And we'll be playing Attack Sub, 300, Red Flag Over Paris, Shores of Tripoli, and Flashpoint South China Sea. And have a whole bunch of games coming up in January. Awesome. All right. Before we get to number five, let's hear from our first guest. And this guest is someone we both had a chance to meet this year at Historic Fest. I think we both played some games with them. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's hear from Dr. Don. Hi, this is Don Levick from Allentown, Pennsylvania. My best game experience was Historic KC Fest in August in Kansas City. I got to meet some great people, ate some great barbecue, played a lot of games, and I almost won Next WarCon. Damn you, Bill. My favorite game of the year was the Next War series, which I learned in 2022. Played Vietnam at home in a KC Fest. I'm playing India-Pakistan on Vassal, and I have the opportunity to play test Next War Iran also on Vassal. So it's been a great Next War year. Happy holidays to everybody. Yeah, I don't want to spoil too much, but just Historic Fest as a whole was a highlight, and especially all the different people that you get associated with just from the podcast. Bill, Don, Brandon, Carl. Uh, I know I'm forgetting people that showed up because of that um it was really nice to meet all of them including don and so thanks for submitting your best yeah. up don and i think you and i both have regular games with don now don't we yeah yeah cool. we do yeah excellent all right number five rich so without spoiling your list <laughs> i'm going to spoil that you have all war games i know and you don't i don't number five is Dutch Inner City. It's a cube rail game. It's very short. The mechanics of placing cubes on rails are not the highlight of this game. What the highlight of this game is pricing and auctioning off shares in companies and managing your cash and triggering the end of auctions. Some of the most fun I had all year 
was playing Dutch Inner City. Yeah, I I have seen you play it. I have heard other people talking about it, and everyone that I've heard say anything about it loves this game. So I need to play sometime. Thursday at Historic Fest. I yes. think I think I'm going to open the con that that first night for me is going to be things like Dutch Inner City. Sounds like a plan. Good. All right, what's your number five, Rich? Uh, five for me, going back to one I just talked about, Brotherhood Unity. So, nice. I, um, like I said, it's not not the deepest game. It's not like heavy strategy or anything. It's just it is a super fun game. And uh, kind of like Thunder at Dawn, it's a game that you can play easily in a single game day, which is a big plus. Yeah, in like an I, hour and a half. We I played love, in two hours. Yeah, I love huge games, but I can also uh, appreciate that it's nice to be able to play a game and couple three hours and be done with it yeah and i also think that i wouldn't want something like brotherhood and unity to go beyond yeah. that it fits in its window well it stays yeah. in its lane and i respect it for that it's Absolutely. a great game yeah i loved it all right what about our not so great games we're going to talk about our Ooh. biggest disappointments of the year yeah so this... you've got a one that was actually a big game and i've got a smaller game yeah my so the big game the second world war hakapale these are massive games with massive rule books that fetch a massive price tag. And it's Finland during the Second World War. What's I not know. to love about it? Yeah. That's crazy that you were disappointed in it. The not only is just like the stacks overly fiddly for no reason, but just the rules are every step you have to go through doesn't lead to a satisfying um, game experience. And I was really disappointed with the Second World War Hakapale this year. It just, it was quite a bit of a stinker. It's not even, it's not a system that appears to have any redeeming factor. You, the coolest thing about the Second World War now is that you can combine into this massive monster game and, and, you know, combine all these different individual games into one one combined Second World War, but I have no desire to even experience that now because the actual gameplay isn't fun. Yeah. That's and a shame. I played that with our buddy Paul, and I want to talk about my second biggest disappointment this year. Everyone in the Wilderness War tournament played through three or four games in like a month. Here we are in January, and <laughs> Rex and Paul are somehow, somehow still playing their tournament game of Wilderness War. What are they doing? I I don't know. I guess they're they're out in the wilderness. <laughs> they're they're dressing up in costume and cosplaying it. Yeah. That's right. Every individual battle they get into, then they're breaking into a more detailed Yeah. They're playing another tactical game for each battle that they fight. Right. They're busting out in a bar or something like that every time they <laughs> engage each other. All right, Rich, what let you down this year? Yeah, for me, it was Konigsberg 45, mm. which was, you know, if I was going to have a biggest negative surprise, I guess what that's what disappointment is. This is it. Um, it's a, it's by Revolution Games, and they make good stuff. It's a small Ziploc bag game. So, I mean, I, I thought it was going to be another one of these small but fun games. And honestly, this game, it's not a terrible game, but it's it's boring to play it two player. I mean, honestly, for the German player, it's just murderously boring. Um, if you want to play this as a solitaire game, I think it would be a lot more fun, but just, you know, you have nothing to do and you're just getting run over as the German player and there's just not much fun in there at all. So that was my disappointment. Yeah. I, 
I'm not surprised to see this on your list just with how you talked about it, but it is what it is. Not every, not every game can be the U S civil war. (laughs) And speaking of let's hear from a man who appreciates and acknowledges the best war game ever made our good friend and back to back last man standing Bill Simone. Hi guys, this is Bill checking in with my 2022 year in review. Real quick, the best new-to-me games, Salerno 43 and Brotherhood and Unity. I'm grateful for my face-to-face gaming group that plays most Saturdays, and also for the ongoing scheduled online games of Commands and Colors Ancients, Next War India Pakistan, and Combat Commander that I have going on right now. My biggest regret is I didn't get a chance to play the best game ever in 2022. My favorite cons are Historic Fest and Buckeye Game Fest. I heartily recommend anybody check those out. They're the best mid-sized cons I've ever been to. And then as far as my favorite podcast goes, up oh, oh, my wife's calling me. Gotta run. Happy New Year, guys. Bill's great. I mm-hmm. yeah. appreciate him sending a list. Bill's helping me. It's Bill and I are doing the Historical Board Game Awards together. Uh, it's been it's really great that this podcast has led uh, to us meeting all these people we wouldn't normally meet. And you and I, you know? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's keep it rolling. Number four. Number four for me is a game that just broke a lot of molds. Uh, it didn't actually come out this year, but it's the first time I played it was this year. Um, and that was Atlantic Chase. So in the year of naval wargaming, this was a good one to play. But this is unlike any naval wargame you've played before. It's not X encounter. There are no counters at all. There are blocks and, but not even like not, not even like a block game. There are trajectories and things like that. So it's all it's it's hard to describe. You can go back and listen to our review of it. Um, but it was just such an interesting game. And even though I, I played it quite a bit, I feel like there's so much more that I can still play and um, I need to get it back on the table. That was my number four of the year. Yeah, I'll say it for about the 12th time this year. The campaign gameplay in Atlantic Chase yeah. is phenomenal. It really kind of turns on its head get war gaming objectives in the sense that early on when you're the Germans, you just want to run out there, strike and get back. And that's that's the scenario. And it's a little bit different than like, all right, let's run out there and fight this long engaged battle as we, you know, try to take all this land in OCS or something like that. No, mm-hmm. it's go out and get home. Yeah. It's good stuff. Other good stuff. I, the more I think about this game, the more I appreciate the things about it. And that's front toward enemy. This is a tactical Vietnam game from multi-man publishing. There are, this checks so many boxes and does so many cool things. One, it takes, it takes tactical and does something different with it like last hundred yards which is a game you and i both really enjoy a game that i think i am enjoying more and more as i play it it's not so much about just run your guys into a wall and not have other considerations i know there's asl and atf scenarios that do factor in you know losses as as part of the victory conditions or eliminating a certain amount but here you have to worry about civilians. You have to worry about casualties. This game lets you fly in choppers, like bring all your troops on choppers, set up your landing zones. You can come in with attack helicopters. Front Toward Enemy is a game that I think flies under the radar. It doesn't get the love it deserves. I don't even think it got the love it deserves from us. <laughs> yeah, I it's one of the few that we game. reviewed that I didn't play. So you want you reviewed that one yourself. That's right. R- right. Um did you play? I can't remember. Did you play any of this? No, I haven't played Frontward okay. Enemy at all. Oh, rich. 
it's it's very 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 good i believe you all right well yeah listeners take my word for it and what's great is you can pick it up in an mmp sale it's one of those games that will often like you'll find deep discount yeah it's totally 100 percent worth it which i suppose that means it didn't sell very well so not sure why but um not because you weren't saying good things about it well but i was like three years late (laughs) (laughs) all right speaking of sales how about that for a segue this question was submitted by our buddy patrick bro leary and that was who was our publisher of the year for 2022 yeah, so, I mean, tough question. Um, I mean, I think probably if you add up most of my games, um, I've probably played more GMT games than anyone else this year, but that's not necessarily the, the reason that, I, that I'd picked GMT for, for this answer for me. Um, when I think of the year and I think of just the sort of definition of the year and how it went, it all started when I received that big, huge box <laughs> in January with from GMT. You know, we had been talking about it. Everybody knew this was coming. People were joking about how, you know, all their budgets were going to be broken. And yeah, here comes a bunch of GMT games on my, show, on my doorstep. And then two of them, you know, we'll talk about later because they're my number one and two games of the year. And one of them, I played for six months out of the year. So it's got to be GMT just because of that box that defined my whole year. Dang. If I had thought about it and the terms you did, I would, <laughs> let's be honest, I'd probably be picking GMT as well. Um, I feel like even even if we didn't feature exclusively GMT games over there, which we didn't and we don't, GMT is still always a part of our conversation, just with what they're releasing, sure. what we're playing. Um, and so certainly that makes sense. I, I looked at this in another um, lens, I guess. And I guess to me it was biggest surprise or biggest splash. And I got to give a nod to VUCA simulations just with the what appears to be, I've still only played Donnerschlag, their quality of products they're releasing. And it's, I think to me, that makes them the publisher of the year because even though they released stuff before 2022, this really feels like their entry, their biggest, their like year of entry into the hobby. Yeah. And I heard buzz from a lot of people about some of the games this year. So yeah. 1914 Natch Paris. Yep. There's the chasing of the Bismarck, which looks super interesting. I would just like to, it doesn't particularly, the topic doesn't interest me, but it's something I'd like to experience just with like how the blind game works. Sure. Uh, yeah. So VUCA simulations gets the nod from me. Cool. Okay. So last year, Fred Serval submitted his first recording and he turned me on to all these great games. And then I listened to some more of his home alludens and found some other great games for him. And well, let me just say, we're happy to have Fred back with his best of for 2022. Hi, I'm Fred Serval. I'm a game designer and the host of Homo Dance, a show on history and board games. Matt asked me what was for me the best of 2022 in wargaming. So here are my historical gaming highlights for this year. The first one is a game released in late 2021, but that I only started playing this year. Brian Boru by Pierre Sylvester. I'm a big fan of this designer. I really loved Versinda's Volk and The King is Dead. And for me, this latest design is a masterpiece. It's a medium-weight historical board game that can be played with almost everyone, building on a trick-taking mechanic that everyone knows to create a clever area majority and political game. 
It's extremely clever, it's subtle, it's sharp. The second highlight for me is the PAX series. I know it's not new, but uh, I got into PAX with PAX Pamir 2nd Edition when it was released and it straight up entered my top 10. This year, the PAX series was a big highlight for me because I played a lot of them. Thanks to the Homo Ludens community, we played a lot of PAX Porfiriana, uh, and I also started playing Renaissance, Viking, and I played a lot of PAX Pamir Online thanks to Ready the Troop, a platform uh, to play online that is really awesome. And by the way, I would like to give a big thanks to Thor for all the work that he's doing on this. And what I think is an highlight for me, but not only for me, but also for the historical gaming community as a whole, is everything that happened around awards this year. The San Diego HistCon launching its uh, new award to reward innovation, uh, the CSR that is now under the direction of Gary from Artworld Slayer, uh, and of course the award that is um, going to be held by this very podcast that you're listening now, that I'm very much looking forward to. I feel like we need this as a community, and if it's done well, it could be a very, very good news for 2023. So those were my 2022 highlights. And thanks again for the invite. There you go. Nice. Yeah, I guess so. You know, I mean, there's no secret in podcasting that Rich and I have listened to these clips and then we just plug them in. So it is a little bit awkward. Like, <laughs> all right, let's listen to Fred. And we don't we don't actively listen while we wait for that I the by the magic of, of radio <laughs> that's right so peeling back the curtain all right we're halfway done with our list though blown through it you're doing good and you need a, you need a break you need a drink break no it's a tuesday night no, i'm drinking tuesday. water right same here so lame compared to last year's but it is, what <laughs> it is. i mean i feel like in years past we're pretty sauce by the end of it and can really make it through it <laughs> yeah we had to delay it this year so Fair enough. We'll get right, back n- to it. Number three, I'm I'm branching away from I war know. games again. So you're you're like, at this point, you're half and half war games to not war games. Uh, that's yeah, that's how this is going to shake out too. <laughs> so, I will talk about this later. But 2022 was not only a banner war game year, but my f- I played all of my favorite 18xx games. And I played three of the four in person. And so it really was a year of 18xx for me. And the best new to me for this year is the Old Prince 1871. This game is really shakes. It's still the tried and true 18xx bones, right? But from the initial way that games are offered up, or I'm sorry, that private companies are offered up, Um, basically rich you're dealt five of them and you offer them up to the players one at a time and if they don't buy them you have to buy them that's interesting Um, a certain amount of companies can be started there's like tranches so in or1 you can only start this many companies next time around you can only start one company next set of srs you can start two you can branch off companies there's one straight piece of track and then the entire game (laughs) it's it's just a great game there's like one player's in charge of the bank there's companies that start out floated there's companies that are one share away from being floated fantastic game 1871 or the old prince 1871 you played on dot games but um i don't think unless you want to make your own print and play copy you can't buy this one yet is this your favorite 18x6 game uh you know to be honest it's up there it's in my 
It's in my top three. Yeah. I've heard you talk about it a lot recently. You know, what's funny is when it first came on to Dot Games, there's a mad rush, and I played it, played it, played it, and I was like, oh, that was fine. But that was, like, surface level. And then once I started, I, like, I reread the rules, and then I played it in person, and then I just played a ton over the last few months. Um, once I got past that surface level understanding of how it worked, I think it's like a big onion, and it's really revealed itself to me. Probably not my favorite. I just like... There's a couple other games I'll talk about later that I like a little bit more, but definitely the best new 18xx I've played this year, and, and certainly a top three for me. Nice. Yeah, I think that uh, 1871 might be on, might be beyond my 18xx uh, skill set. You, you know, say you get that. To, well, you get to a certain point. There are certain games, 1817. And I'm not really playing the game anymore at that point. Um, I'm just kind of doing things. Whereas, you know, any sense of strategy is is completely beyond me. I, I suspect that 71 might be that way. You say that, and I don't necessarily agree with it. It's different. It's not yeah. more complex. Okay. The one weird thing you can do is you can, like, split a company. But you don't have to. Actually, there's only... There may be games where you're not even able to just because all the companies float. And then, again, there's only a certain amount of set number of companies that can launch in the game. So what I would say is if you're interested in trying it, don't do an asynchronous game. Let's try to get something going live. And I'll explain the, like, very broad differences for what you need to know compared to, like, something like 1846. And I think what you'll see is that it's actually not that much more difficult. It's just different. Yeah, it's all, it's not like eighteen seventeen. It really isn't. I'm always up for more live games. Yeah, and I think it would just like I think you're right. If if you're just going through the motions, then it, it it's just going to seem like another eighteen xx game. But yeah, you should give it a try. Live. We'll do. All right, let's so, get back to war games. Yeah, my number three game is a war game because I'm on a war game podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Someone had to say it. Um, so this is the the latest entry in a series that I'm a big fan of, the uh, BCS Battalion Combat Series from MMP, and this is the Era Court game. Um, so similar to um, the the previous games that I've talked about, except for Atlantic Chase, it's a it's a smaller game, although it's not. I mean, you you can play you can play it in a few hours, um, but if it's you know, if you play the whole thing, it would take longer than that. Um, but it, it's just a one map game. It's the the smallest BCS game um, at the lower counter density too. the formations are small. Um, and it's just it's just really fun. It gets you right into the middle of the action, like on the first turn. Uh, the Germans are going to be jumping the American trains. So, you know, you get a lot of chaos from the very beginning. Um, the uh, the victory conditions are a little different in this game. There's basically like three hexes that you're fighting over. And then uh, there's also you're trying to make the other side lose more armor than you have lost. Um, so those hexes will take will trade turns a lot of times during the game and a lot of back and forth. It's it's just a fun, fun BCS game. It's not my favorite BCS game, but it's definitely the best intro BCS game out there. If anyone were to ask, where should I start with be it? bcs without hesitation i would say error court sure and that's what it's designed to be right yep very good we're over over halfway that nice. was the halfway point well we're talking about favorite games but 
What about our favorite just overall gaming memory of the year? And I guess this is one of the two places we do have consistent crossover. And I'm a little broader here. Just Historic Fest as a whole. From the Thursday night beers in the bar to the Patreon meetup with Don and Bill, you and your wife, where we had, you know, wings and beer to going out for the barbecue and then the actual game. Whether gaming, it was Next War with Dawn or playing Dutch Inner City and Ponzi Scheme with Rex, 1832 on Sunday. 1832 is up there in my top three favorite 18X games as well. But in-person 1832 was phenomenal. Pickup games, Red Flag over Paris. Dawn and I played um, Stratomatic Hockey, but he was doing like live play-by-play calls <laughs> the fun, entire yeah. time. Uh, beers, you know, having the open bar, just getting by seat, just picking Mike Denson's brain over lunch about his design process and everything he thought of going into uh, last hundred yards, the conversations. Historic Fest was really excellent last year, and it really just gave me a lot of inspiration moving forward for 2023 and what that event is going to be in the future. It was a great year, and yeah, definitely in the tops for me. Yeah, so it was also historic fest for me. Um, and I didn't mention this one because I didn't want to steal your thunder. But oh, this that's was okay for me. Too. But I mean, it was more than that. It was it was all the games I played. I mean, at historic fest, I get to play my first face to face ASL game that I had played definitely since COVID. Maybe like something like three years. I got to you know meet Don and play a couple games with him. I think I can't remember. Um, but the one game that I enjoyed playing the most at Historic Fest was actually the Alien RPG. So you GM'd that for us. It was a one shot that we played and everybody was really into character and we had a blast. I mean, we only played for a few hours, but it was just so much fun. And that was the first time I had played Alien RPG. And since then I've played more and I love the system, but that was my first experience of it. Yeah, it was that was a really great time. I'm glad you enjoyed it. We had everything from beginner RPG players to experienced players. It was just a lot of laughs and a lot of fun. Rambunctious fun. Yeah, it was good stuff. It was. Speaking of RPGs, someone who got me into RPGs? I don't know, that's kind of a weak segue. <laughs> In the past, it was really a bit of a reach, but you know, not every transition can have a natural segue. <laughs> So in the past years, we've had to slice and dice Jason's contributions because there's too much good stuff and he doesn't hold back. Well, this year, as a special treat, unedited, well, maybe edited, cleaned up, volume increase, that type of thing, uncut, unseparated, Jason from AAC's all-in-one blow, best of from 2022. This is Jason from the Advance After Combat podcast here to give my end of 2022 recap. Happy end of 2022 to Matt and Rich. Thanks for the opportunity to give some end of year stuff. I hope you guys are both feeling healthy and whole. Hope, hope the family's doing well. Going to be all over the place, but I'm going to try to make it quick this year. My favorite nonfiction book this year was Destiny of the Republic, A Tale of Madness, Medicine, and the Murder of a President. Excellent book. Best fiction book I read this year. I read a ton of books this year. I think I read a hundred books. I rated twenty-five of them five stars. So this was this was tough. Um, Thirty-six Streets is going to get the nod 
Um, it's a cyberpunk book. It's the best cyberpunk book I've read in a really, really, really long time. Uh, I'm going to give an honorable mention to Cloud Cuckoo Land and Between Two Fires. I'm sure Matt will talk about that. It's fantastic. My favorite movie this year was Glass Onion. It's fantastic. I mean, it's just, it's fantastic. Go watch it. Honorable mention here goes to Space Sweepers on Netflix. Again, cyberpunk, kind of fun romp true crime podcast. It's going to go to Bone Valley. Uh, really interesting story, kind of a nice resolution. I really, I really liked it. Best board game podcast goes to Five Games for Doomsday. Um, got this recommendation from Mark Johnson on board games to go. Uh, absolutely love it. Lots of fun. RPG podcast goes to Dangerous Times at Chill Haven High. Um, kind of silly, fun romp of a podcast. TV goes to Drive to Survive. This got me and my wife hooked on Formula One. Um, by far the, the best show I watched this year. Fantastic. Best new to me war game this year was Infidel uh, in the Men of Iron series or system. Uh, I had played Men of Iron. I had played Blood of Roses, but this is the year I played Infidel. Um, Men of Iron continues to be just one of the systems I just want to play over and over and over again, keep coming back to it. Um, really, really enjoy it. New to me, 18xx game of the year for me is 1837. Played this at Advanced After Combat Convention. Tons of fun, super big, super long, um, really a lot of decision space. Honorable mention goes to 1848. Um, really, really enjoyed getting into that this year. Um, lots of fun, but 37 definitely gets a nod. It's, it's a heck of a game. And new to me, Euro uh, is a, a fantastic tableau builder, great theme, lots of fun, lots of story in it. Honorable mention here goes to Castles of Tuscany. Um, play this for the first time early in 2022. Really enjoy it, but Obsession gets the nod here. And like I said, I'm going to try to keep it short and sweet this year. Not a ton of other new stuff, no new hobbies this year, thankfully. Um, Thanks for this opportunity. Hope you guys had a great year. Looking forward to the recap and more next year. Happy 2023. Awesome. Always always look forward to Jason's best of, and then it's like mad writing down everything he mentions. Nice. A little short this year, Jason. A little short. <laughs> All right. Top two. Top two. Top two. I guess it's top four if we combine our top twos or top three, maybe. Uh, games we played in 2022. Yeah. Well, I already mentioned that my top two were from that one box. And I think most people are going to guess what my number one is. So my number two game this year is Vietnam 1965 to 1975. So this is a re release of an old game. Um, re. I don't know. Mitchell tell me if I said it wrong but he didn't redesign it he just like cleaned up the rules and they uh, cleaned up the map and and re-released it whatever you want to call it but um, it's it's an older Nick Carp game and it's just fantastic this is another one that you know I, I don't know if I'll ever get to play the campaign game the full campaign I, I sure hope to because it 
it just looks amazing. Um, but even just the smaller stuff, you know, you play and the, the VC are just an absolute pain in the ass to hunt <laughs> down. And, and the NVA are actually pretty big and strong. Um, but, you know, the Marines have so much firepower and mobility and everything. So it's just, it's it's asynchronous. It's jungle warfare. It's hidden movement. It's everything you would want in a Vietnam game. And it's just absolutely a blast. I'm so sorry, but did you say the name? Vietnam, 1965-75. I, I couldn't remember yeah. if you did or didn't. I think sorry. I did. <laughs> okay, good. Well, there I it is. Just on a little bit. No, that's all right. I think you were like building it up, but then I was like, did he say it? Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, that's my number two of the year. And that, like I said, was in that big box that I got in January. So between that one and my next one, I mean, you're talking about probably nine months of the year that I played these two games. I'll say it and I'll say it and I'll say it, but I've got to play Vietnam. <laughs> Someday. All right. I didn't think I would get a chance to play my number two game by the end of the year, but I did get some live opportunity chances with this, and it was phenomenal. It lived up to the hype, and that's John Company 2nd Edition. We've talked about it on the podcast before, but if you're unfamiliar, you are playing the role of different families during the um, East India Trade Companies time in England and so you're influencing you're using your family members to influence the direction of the East India Trade Company and you're placing out your family members in India and you're trading and you're trying to take on different roles in the company or maybe you're trying to tank the company on purpose and it's very much this game of negotiation and politicking it's you know what we need to revisit next year is our top six top five whatever we decide to do politicking games sure um because when you get a chance to play this and i think you will in february with me this game is almost every time you move to a new phase there's a new analysis of what the game state is and what deals you can make and sometimes that's not always the case but it seems to be there's at least an opportunity to negotiate and try to position yourself in the best position, which may not necessarily be the best interest of the company. Mm -hmm. uh, super awesome game. And not really a war game, but certainly historical in nature. So I guess the non-war game games are outweighing the, are <laughs> outweighed by the, oh my gosh, the non-war game games outweigh the war games this year for me, but it's awesome. It's just such a beautiful game. It's so well designed. The rules are very approachable there is a lot but it's so step by step that as long as you kind of understand the broad strokes you can move to step one explain what happens move to step two explain what happens and go on and go on and you can get rolling in, in no time and uh, have a fantastic time with john company yeah and are we playing that next one next month for sure i well it's certainly on the list okay i'd definitely like to yeah okay and you know John Company is best with four or five people, mm -hmm. and that's a good way to talk about what our best multiplayer gameplays of the year were, as well as our best solo games. Yeah, so this is actually kind of a tough year for me as far as multiplayer. Um, I play Here I Stand. Uh, I have played every year on Reformation Day or, you know, that weekend before or after for like six years now, and this is the first year that we had to completely cancel it because people dropped out and, you know, 
drives me crazy. But um, And then I had a Twilight Imperium game scheduled for the end of the year, and people dropped out of that one, and I could, we couldn't get it done. So, But I did get one Twilight Imperium game in in March, I think. So um, it's it's one of my favorite games of all time. I can't remember where I have it on my personal list, but it's, it's top five for sure. Um, and it's a multiplayer game. It's an all-day affair. We played with the uh, the expansion, so we got the mechs out, and the expansion has some cool abilities like heroes and leaders and stuff like that. And it's just it's just as much fun as you can have in a day in a multiplayer game. It's um, come prepared for twelve hours of fun, and and you'll have it. You'll be tired at the end, but it'll be worth it. Yeah, our play of here I stand just missed the cut cut off by two days. Yeah. But- with how things went for me as France, it certainly would not <laughs> rank up there. The company was fantastic, but uh, I did not have a great time as France this year. Yeah, it was a rough go. I, I don't think I've ever seen France go downhill that quickly. <laughs> it was brutal. It was real bad. So before we talk about Solo, uh, I'll reveal my multiplayer. And I've got to get a shout out to, and I've talked about them in the past. Their, their heads are getting way too big for this. But Paul, Carl, and Rex are bi-weekly Wednesday night gameplays are just ridiculous. Most of 2022 was playing Victory Games Civil War. That, of course, has now shifted to Pacific War. And there's nights where we don't get much done, where we spend, you know, the first hour of the night talking about Big 8 sports before <laughs> it became the Big 12. Uh, and I don't regret that at all. And it's, it's really a highlight... And it fills my month with biweekly laughs and just hanging out and chucking dice. And not, you know, we're playing these big, meaty war games and Pacific War is brain burning. And, you know, we just, we got through setup and, and just really kind of started playing last week. But it's just people hanging out and having a good time. And it's not necessarily games designed for multiplayer. Of course, I could talk about John Company or our amazing game of 1832 or all the dutch inner city plays i mean which whatever you want to go with those are all great multiplayer experiences that i could talk about but really for me i'm highlighting the bi-weekly four-player just for the camaraderie for lack of a better word so nice all right i think we have crossover for solo and that's ocs korea and i'm stealing your idea because i really wasn't sure about this but then as we're sitting here i was thinking what what game did I devote the most solo playtime to? I played a lot of solo Red Flag over Paris. That was great. But then really my like peak solo gaming experience was OCS Korea. Yeah. So something about Korea, and, it, and it's not just OCS Korea. It's also Next War Korea. But I just love that red tide over the border invasion scenario. But I like playing it solo. And especially mm. OCS Korea just because... I mean, to be honest, if you're playing the South Koreans on that invasion scenario, there's not much to do except get run over. So it plays better solo. And it's just, it's a fun, interesting puzzle to see how far you can get before the supply supply lines run out, especially in OCS. So I, I love playing that invasion scenario solitaire. You know what I've wanted to do, and you know, when I have time, I'm sure I will, is pull out OCS Korea and we've talked about this scenario, but take the chosen reservoir and try to accomplish the best North Korean opening that I can. Because I, I feel like if you don't have a strong opening in that particular scenario, mm-hmm. you're gonna have a bad time as the North Koreans. And so I thought it'd be interesting, like set it up, 
run it and see what you can accomplish before things get hard for you. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, when we talked about this, when we talked about monster games and stuff, yeah, we complain about these big, massive scenarios taking forever. Don't worry about that when you're approaching something like OCS mm-hmm. or even line of battle. I know we just talked about it. How, you know, I said you're buying line of battle to play the whole thing, not do the cornfield. The cornfield's still a very fun scenario. These small scenarios in OCS and B- I don't know if BCS has the small scenarios. I shouldn't mention yeah, those. Yeah, but they do. They're tons of fun. Yeah, in and fact, I just started them. playing um, Brazen Chariots and the first scenario is like five turns. And it's oh, great. a tiny part of one map. So, yeah. Nice. Very good. Well, yeah. OCS Korea for me as well. Yeah. Yeah. And also with Vassal, I mean, you don't even have to worry about setup. You know, you go in, you load the, you load the scenario up. And if you want to play one or two turns solitaire, you know, no one says you have to play the whole whatever the you know, 127 turns or whatever. Play two turns just because it's it's fun to roll over the border with a bunch of commies. A hundred percent. Yeah. Do the opening. See what yeah. you can accomplish. Challenge yourself. It's yeah. a great, it's a great way to change up like solo without doing bot stuff. You yeah, know? absolutely. Um, I w- will say that that's what I did with Pacific war, but I think if you had a solo mode in the Pacific war vassal module, the whole thing might melt because it's so big <laughs> and there's yeah. so much going on, but you like have to switch sides and it's, it's fine. And you get like really efficient at it, but almost all other than the initial, uh, set up a Pearl Harbor uh, was on Vassal. It's like every time it's like, all right, switch sides, switch sides, switch yeah. sides. The key is to play a turn, switch sides, skip a day, and then you come back to it and you can't remember what you did two days ago. So it's almost like you're playing against someone else. What are those damn Americans up to now? <laughs> yeah, basically. All right. Mark Johnson has been submitting his best of since, well, before you were on the show, Rich. But more impressively... Mark Johnson just started or completed. I think he just started his 19th season or 19th straight year of podcasting. That is awesome. I didn't know he had been doing it that long. Yeah. And, you know, like War Games to Go especially is a little irregularly scheduled. But that's, I mean, I think that's that's 100% okay because we do this, you and I, because we enjoy it. And I think that's, you know, Mark's schedule, and, and that's yeah. awesome. and his format is a little different, too. His format is just kind of, I'm going to talk about this subject because I feel like talking about it today. So. Yep. So here's Mark talking about the things he enjoyed and the things he wants to talk about. Hi, this is Mark Johnson of the War Games to Go podcast with my Best of 2022 offering for History on the Table, another war game podcast that I really love. Thanks, guys. Well, um, I never feel like I do as much wargaming as everybody else. Frankly, it feels like everybody else. But I do a lot of thinking about it, and I do a lot of reading about it. And uh, whether it's people commenting on your Discord channel, on, on other sort of uh, sites, or just reading military history. And for me, the uh, it's kind of a cheat, but the thing about 2022 that I think about for wargaming is the return of travel. You know, after COVID, I've gotten to do some traveling, and that's always been a big part of the hobby for me. I went back and looked. There's a discussion a section or whatever it's called on Consum World that I put together or started called the Traveling Wargamer about this kind of thing. And I went back and looked. Oh, my gosh. I created that board in 1999 uh, within Consum World. And so it's been something I care about for a long, long time. And this year I got to do some of that traveling. You know, I got to go. Uh, see a war game buddy, um, Tom, on the East Coast and visit Gettysburg, which I've seen before. More recently on a business trip, I got to squeeze in one day of 
traveling Hell's Highway and seeing uh, the areas of Operation Market Garden. And I am playing Market Garden games now. I'll, I'll be able to pick a favorite pretty soon about that, and I'll dive back into Gettysburg soon enough. But for me, really, the kind of the longest uh, exploration and most satisfying one of the year was about the Spanish-American War. And I ended up uh, learning, like always happens with this kind of stuff, a lot more of the overall context of things. And so what I may have gone into it thinking more about, you know, Teddy Roosevelt, Rough Riders, Charge at San Juan Hill, I learned about a much bigger context for the whole thing and history of imperialism in the world and transformation of the U.S. Navy and just a whole lot. And there's so much to, I didn't get to travel to Cuba, so I didn't get to see that. And I didn't go to the Philippines either, but I did go to Hawaii for a vacation. And that has a, has an indirect connection to this topic as well, certainly to um, American imperialism that I learned a whole lot about and it was fascinating. And one game I would single out from that general subject is called Cuba, the Splendid Little War, published in 2013 by Victory Point Games. It's designed by Javier Garcia de Gaviola. And it is not really about the Spanish-American War. It's about the Third War of Cuban Independence that goes from 1895 to 1898. But what we call the Spanish-American War, including that charge up San Juan Hill, happens like in the final two turns of, of this game because it tags on to the existing Third War of Cuban Independence. It's a card-driven game, out of print and probably hard to find. But uh, the way those good card-driven games do, it gives you a fair amount of abstraction with this point-to-point -point map, but also a lot of flavor, historical flavor on the cards. And, and you learn a lot of the history and the context from there. So I really enjoyed my play of that and it helped me learn about the subject. I think that's what stands out. Travel in general and that game in particular. Thanks, guys. I look forward to another year of your podcast. Well, again, congratulations on 19 years of, of podcasting, Mark. Glad to hear you're getting some traveling in as well. All right, Rich, is this is this even a surprise with no. all the yeah, foreshadowing you've done? Yeah, I think everyone knows that Zeppelin Raider was the best game of the year. That's what you picked, right? <laughs> Hold on. Something's wrong. <laughs> Pacific War. Yeah, absolutely. It's just so good. I mean, it's, it kind of feels weird to talk about it because we just did a full episode on it a couple weeks ago, right. but... It's just a fantastic game, and, and like you said, you're you're starting the full campaign. Um, I am going to be doing that. I'm not sure where I'm going to set it up yet, but yeah, that's that game's not going away anytime soon. You know, that could be the first game of the year two years in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Someone gave me, and I'll, I'll say his name. I'll get into his head. Rex gave me a hard time because. Pacific War was already the second best war game of all time. Look, that's going to prove itself over time, and I'm still so excited to play this game. I'm so eager for those bi-weekly games. I, I can't say it enough. Regardless of whether this is 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, wherever you rank it, and I think it's a top 10 game, and I think it's a top 2 game, there's no doubt I think that it's, it's a top still one game. <laughs> Actually, no, I don't, because I still think ASL's better. That's not gonna happen. That's not happen. I have no doubt that this is the best new to me game I played in 2022, without yeah. a doubt. 
Yeah. Like, this was a no-brainer. Yeah, it feels like we should talk about it more, but like I said, we just talked about it two weeks ago, so. We um, talked about it for a long time two yeah. weeks ago, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no surprises there. No, it really, really If that not. one is a surprise to you, welcome, because you're probably a new listener. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I saw, I heard, so a few people uh, on social media and on our Discord were pulling this game out, and were either pulling to play along with us or heard what we said about it. And again, I just want to reiterate that I would not have pulled this game down had you not done so. It would be like Vietnam. Like, Vietnam is still sitting there. I will play yeah. it someday, but I am just so glad you did because, wow, what a game. My pleasure. All right. Speaking of contributors that have been with us since the beginning, he's been a featured guest. He's our top scoring war game game contestant of all time. It's Mitch. It's here for Mitch. He sort of has a game on this year's top games of the year. Look at that. Hey, y'all. Mitch Land here. I guess Matt didn't listen to last year's uh, little clip because he invited me back. So here you go. There were a lot of lots of best moments in 2022 for me. Uh, there's my epic drunken victory as the Fremen in Dune. Uh, that would be the original, not the upstart version, which I have played and liked, but it's not quite the same. Uh, at DC 2022, in which a player deliberately played a las gun and a shield guard on himself. If you've never played, you have no idea what that means, but the rest of you are now in stitches. Of course, that's competing with the chance to work on a reprint of Nick Karp's Vietnam 1965-1975. That was a great time. Uh, I still have Nick's voicemails saved on my phone, I'm just saying. However, saving the best for last, I think playing a combined Next War Vietnam and Next War Taiwan at the U.S. Army Command and General Staff College pretty much has to trump everything else. Considering it happened just a couple days ago, and just a couple days before this was due, I'll just say my Swiss cheese brain worked in my favor this time. So hoping for all the best for Matt, Rich, and all the History on the Table listeners, Merry Christmas. All right, Mitch. I think Mitch has caught the magic bug just as much as you have. Or re-caught it, at least. I know. We actually just played three games right before we recorded tonight. Oh, my lanta. <laughs> That's awesome. Man, if they ever do commander on mtg arena yeah i've actually now we're getting off topic but that's okay we've done our top six games i actually heard that arena would have to be completely built rebuilt to do multiplayer so they they can't i just i'm so surprised so arena came out before like commander over covid exploded it was already on the verge of becoming magic's most popular format but Arena's not that old. Like, I'm a little surprised they didn't. So there is this older client called Magic the Gathering Online, MTGO. Mm -hmm. That thing is somehow still running on software from 1932. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And you can play Commander on there. But learning, learning the interface of MTGO and how to, like, have your cards on MTGO is more difficult than learning how to play Commander. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not really worth it. What about a Tabletop Simulator or Octagon or something yeah. like that? Yeah, so Tabletop Simulator, I believe you can import your decks. Like, I think you can get an add-on and, like, submit your deck list and be like, all right, here's my Commander deck, and it'll load it in for you. We, yeah. we could do that for sure. Cool. Or, in February, play in person. There we go. That's definitely going to happen. All right, folks, that's our top six, but maybe six isn't good enough. Let's talk about what just missed. Our number seven, if you will. I went with, it's a game I've talked about all year long, Red Flag Over Paris. I 
there's also I'll mention one other game that just missed, and I think it would have been number six in front of Second Fleet had I gotten to play it more. But I never got a chance to reschedule our play of it, and that's Dominant Species Marine. I mm. loved that game, fantastic. Awesome. I love the action, the um, the action selection process. It's a Euro game, uh, published by GMT Games. Don't go in thinking it's the next Pacific War or anything like that. Uh, it's a Euro ass Euro game, but it's very good. But more importantly, Red Flag over Paris. I just this is going to be my go to. Throw it in my game day bag. Throw it in my con bag. If you have twenty minutes. Pull out Red Flag over Paris, shuffle up and go. Um, yeah, it's probably my most talked about game from 2022. Cool. Uh, for me, it was Second Fleet. And yes. like I said, if I revisit this list, I may switch things around. But um, I mean, it was a fantastic game. Just barely didn't make the list because I was thinking of other games. And I think part of the reason the other ones might, the like... Um, a thunder at dawn you know i played that one in person and i think it's obviously mm. not fair to the game that i played it a different way but i played second fleet solitaire and i played um thunder at dawn in person against a person so the fun factor felt higher maybe not fair to second fleet but that's the way it came out for me yeah and i mean that's that also makes a big difference i did a lot of second fleet solo but then also, Jason and I played like four Mondays in a row. You can go mm-hmm. catch the live streams of that, and you know Mitch would drop in. And obviously, it's like solo is one thing, playing a pose is a whole nother thing, and then playing a pose in person is a whole nother thing. Yep. So, uh, I get it. Okay, folks. Again, a great year. I'm going to take the time now to just say, Rich, thank you for a fantastic year. It was a great year for the podcast. I've I've always said that this is like a fun thing for us and I do this for fun and the fun isn't even close to like drying up. I'm I'm looking forward to everything we have going in 2023, what we have in the future. Uh so thank you Rich, thank you to all our listeners. It it was it was a great year. Yeah. And uh it's nice to see uh new people joining Discord all the time. Yeah. You know, great conversations going. Talk on. to more people each every week we get someone else, so. You yeah. know when we, when we first started the discord, I felt like I'd have to like almost chime in on every conversation because <laughs> there was only, you know, 20 of us in there. Sure. And then even then after a while, it's like the same five people, but now like conversations are happening on their own. And that's awesome. The, I mean, the community is growing. It's still uh, a great place and the best place to hang out and uh, yeah, check it out. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited for this. Cause I think we have some changes this year. Do you? Rich, we have a list. We do. A list of every war game ever made, well, at least 57 of them. The 57 games we've covered, ranked from best to worst. Right now at the top of the list, it's the U.S. Civil War. Ranked all the way back in episode four. Followed by Zeppelin Raider. Not followed by, but way down the list in last place is Zeppelin Raider, ranked all the way back in episode five. This is a two-part segment. One new additions what are games that we don't want to feature as a whole episode don't think the other one will have an interest in playing or just don't think there's a deep enough game there and then we'll go through the re-rank process and talk about the rules involved with that so rich do you have any proposals for additions to the list i do have one okay so and it's a game i've already mentioned tonight i don't think we're gonna review it uh, but konigsberg 45 um, which actually i think the full title of it is Konigsberg, the Soviet attack on East Prussia, 1945. 
So, um, like I said, this game was a disappointment for me. It's actually not a terrible game. I just think that it's more of a solitaire game than it is a two-player game. And I think it fits right in with, we've got a little cluster of solitaire games right around 40 or so. And I think it fits right in with those. So, NATO Air Commander, I think, is 38. Pavlov's House is 39. Um, no, no, no. I think you're looking at an old list. I might be Pavl- looking at an old list. Yeah, Pavlov's, list, Pavlov's House is down to like 41. Okay, so right in that cluster is, I think, where this one goes. Okay, hold In fact, I, I, would put it, I would put it below Pavlov's House, but I like it right in that cluster of solitaire games. Okay, so below Pavlov's House is Captain C, Rich. I really like Captain C a lot. And neither of us talked about any disappointment with Captain C. Yeah, but... but hold on. Below Captain C is Labyrinth, which we are not fans of, but we have to acknowledge is a banger game design. Yeah, I think Labyrinth might be one that needs to move up. I could see that. Then you have Brave Little Belgium, which is just tons of fun. And below that, you have Arden 2024. And that's kind of where I'm looking because Arden 2024 is a fun game, but has lots of flaws. Yeah, I could see it anywhere in that area. So, Konigsberg Force at 45 versus Brave Little Belgium. I think that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. Now, I haven't Um, played Konigsberg, and if you're really strong about that, I just, based off what you said when you played it, and what we've said about Labyrinth, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Labyrinth is the far better game design. Yeah, I think Labyrinth deserves to be higher. Um, But, yeah, Konigsberg, I think I would put Konigsberg above Brave Little Belgium, actually. Brave Little Belgium is probably more fun, but Konigsberg, if you're playing at Solitaire, there are actually some interesting mechanics in there. It's just it's just no fun to play as one of the sides. Good enough. I mean, that's good enough for me. I don't particularly have an interest in, yeah. in covering this. You can go back and check show notes for when Rich talked about this game in detail. I think there was actually, you played this over two months. Like I think there was two back-to-back episodes you, you were able to yeah. mention this one in. Yep. Um, so a little bit of the game can be explored there. Um, let's see. We didn't number this episode, which I'm completely fine with because it's not a normal episode. In the past, we also featured a game while doing our best of, and that's just too much. So um, year-end 2022 episode. Okay. All right. I have one, and I just think this is one that isn't very good. I don't recommend you play it. And I don't particularly recommend our listeners go play it. And that's Arcola, The Battle for Italy, 1796, designed in 1979 from Avalon Avalon Hill, designed by Tom Walchick and Kevin Zucker. So here's the deal. This is almost a great little less than $10 tiny game covering napoleon in 1796 in italy the combat is fun the idea of the game is fun but not only is it roll to move it's roll to activate and it's roll to activate for one side and although there's a pretty good chance you'll at least get one activation it feels really bad when you roll and you get like none of your activations and it it is this fun game of maneuver and trying to you know do exactly that outmaneuver each other but the problem is, is the roll to activate isn't a guaranteed thing. And it's, you know, roll to move works really well in GCACW because you're still always moving. <laughs> roll to activate in this game doesn't work because you're not always activating. 
And yeah. I think there's a reason why it's $8. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that flaw makes it one of the worst gaming experiences. Like, it has some redeeming qualities. But overall, I... I don't know if I would play this. I would love to see something like it without the design problems. And so for me, Rich, I think it goes in at the new 58, wow. which puts it below below Titan, but above Zeppelin. Rider. Oh, okay. Okay. Because Whew, I was worried for Zeppelin Rider there for a second. Titan is at least a very novel concept where you like break out and fight these arena battles. But if you're playing multiplayer, it takes forever, but at least it's fun. Um, so um, unless you're opposed to it, that's where I would put it. No, that seems, that sounds good to me. I, there's a bunch of Kevin Zucker games I want to play, but, um, you know, if, if it sounds interesting and the topic sounds interesting, the saving grace series, you can find it for $8. So you can play it and be done with it. And, you know, I'm sure you could come up with some other better activation system, but it was really a big turnoff for me. It was that bad and offensive. Otherwise, great game. <laughs> <laughs> other than that. Other than that. Okay, so that puts us at So, 50... I mean, they can proudly say they are the 58th greatest wartime of all game of all time. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's going to be games that fall below it. <laughs> but, it, like, 58 sounds really bad. There are decisions to be made. It so sounds that, bad if you know how many are on the list. That's right. But, you know, just kind of thinking like, Autumn and Sunset's a, a fun game, and you're going to do the things you want to do. You're not going to lose out on activations by pure randomness. Yeah. Uh, consistently. So, yep. Okay, that's great. We have um, 59 games. Arcola comes in at 58, and Konigsberg comes in at 44. So now is the point of the end of the year where we each can pick one or more i guess if we really wanted to a uh, game that we nominate for re-ranking purposes we both have to agree and the game has to move at least two spots meaning we're not going to bicker about what's better between next war india pakistan and red storm they're right next to each other they're both great games that doesn't really matter there are a few exceptions that we've asterisked listen to our last episode pacific war but I'm looking at front toward enemy. Okay. So it, again, this oh, is you what haven't I played haven't played. It. I think I'm going to back off this then. Okay. Because I I need you to play this game. It's that, it's that good. We All need right. to play this sometime. You All would right. really like... I mean, it's Vietnam. You love Vietnam. I do. And it's in t the top 20 games of all time for me. On our year-end show, I had I had front toward enemy in my or not our year-end show. Yeah. On our listener so top twenty. What's number twenty? Battle him. Uh, Atlantic Chase. Atlantic Chase. Okay. Look at uh, pull up episode forty-three show notes. Okay. That's that's the current list. I'm looking at the website, so. Oh yeah. I don't think the website had Pacific War. Okay. Um, number 20 is Atlantic Chase. So probably not above Atlantic Chase, if I'm being completely honest. Probably above Battle Him. But I don't think we need yeah. to go through this if you haven't so played it. So it's actually it. kind of funny. I mean, yeah, and I will play this so that we can come back to this. But the further I get away from Battle Him, the less I like it. You know what I mean? 
Like I've seen other Civil War games that are better. When I played Battle Hymn, I think it was one. Of, it might have been like the first big Civil War game that I played, and I was crazy about it. And the map is beautiful, um, but I've the more I play other games, the less I like Battle Hymn. So. Oh man, I don't know. It is beer and pretzels Civil War. Yeah, it's got this crazy. Everybody attacks everybody. Uh, I don't need to get into it. Yeah, I do like that, though. I don't like the combat calculations because it's not very yeah. intuitive. But, yeah, yeah f- fair. Whatever. It is what it is. Okay, do you have a proposal for rearranging? I do. Um, one we just mentioned, actually. So, okay. Labyrinth. Um, yep. And this is another one. I, I kind of bounced off it. I'm not crazy about the game, but I think it's better than where we have it, which is currently at 43. I can buy that, and I think we've mentioned it, or at least in the episode following it, and I think we both acknowledge that Labyrinth is a better game design than where we have it. You know, we try to be objective as possible here, folks. Objectively, the U.S. Civil War is the best game ever made. <laughs> Sometimes our personal biases might sneak into the list. Um, I'm, I'm fine with moving this up just with how good a game design it is. Um, I think it's better than 1754 Conquest, for example. Mm-hmm. Um... But also, I think NATO Air Commander is better than 1754. We should probably revisit NATO Air Commander when the new <laughs> one comes out. Um, okay, we're only f- focusing on that. So I'll at least, I mean, that's at least like four spot jump. Yeah. Um, right above 1754 is, I guess, how high do you want to go? So, I mean, the next sort of cluster, I think, is Brotherhood and Unity, Reds, Washington's Crossing. Okay. I mean, I, I could see it anywhere in there. I could put it above Washington's Crossing easily, yeah. like without even him and hawing over it. Yeah, because then then you start talking into like the then you're doing fun factor. Reds is a super fun right. game. Brotherhood Unity, like I said, that was one of my big surprises because just how much fun it is. So let's let's take it up. Okay, excellent. All right, so that moves. Well, you Labyrinth. still get one then. Do you want to move seventeen fifty four? Because you haven't gotten your one. No, NATO Air Commander. Oh, okay. And maybe it's 1754 going. They're just too close. Like, I don't think there's 1754 is better than Pavlov's house, but NATO air commander is better than 1754. It's just, it's just an anomaly with the list. Ah, that's fine. Just know that I am disappointed in you until you play front toward enemy. Another game that probably deserves to be higher is last hundred yards. When you just think about the novel design concepts of what Mike is trying to accomplish in that game in the sense of just like command and control. Um, it's, I think it's a better design than we give it credit for. Hmm. And the more I play it, the more I enjoy it. But that's, that's for future Matt and rich. Yeah. All right. Very I'm going to have folks. to live with that shame until I play front toward enemy. Okay, now we're going to read off every game, one game at a time, in my best Grover Gardner impersonation. You're going to start at 59, or you're going to start at 1? No, I'm not going to read them. You can find a link <laughs> to the Every War Game Ever list in the That's show notes. That's a Patreon I, exclusive. Yeah, for Matt me reading the you. list. <laughs> yeah. My brother does, like, terrible voices that he just thinks are the best, so maybe that's, like, Patreon exclusive is my brother reading in his Julia Child's voice. <laughs> Um, you can find a link to the Every War Game Ever list on our website. I tend to wait a week before I update the website or the 
board game geek geek list takes longer just because it's a much longer process i tend to wait a week to update the website just for spoiler reasons um but i will post this one as, as soon as we're done since it's just re-rankings and a couple new additions cool okay i had one other set in stone again until it gets soft again next year until it goes limp again except for there are two games we should mention those exceptions specific where we already mentioned could be re-ranked as we spend more time with it Mm -hmm. and then playing the silver bayonet campaign opposed which is my goal for historic fest 2023 which boom is our transition to one of our last war game topics of the episode and that's what game are we most looking forward to playing in 2023 silver bayonet i just mentioned it but what i am really most looking forward to is more time with pacific war i'm not just saying that it's not hot air i'm blowing out out my mouth with about pacific war i am looking forward to the next several months bi-weekly playing pacific war Makes me so happy to hear you say that because you're sounding like me six months ago where you're like, I can't stop playing this game. <laughs> it's yeah. just so good. It just keeps peeling back more and more layers. Yeah. The other one is a little more unconventional, and this didn't this wasn't really considered for the best of, um, even though it was new to me for twenty twenty two, just because it's a miniatures game. But a local buddy, Zach, he's active on our Discord, he does amazing painting stuff, has been my intro into Kill Team. Kill Team is so fun. And the fact that you can show up, you have your nine minis, you get a little terrain out, and you play in an hour and a half, two hours, two and a half hours, depending on whatever you're playing. And then you have, you know, narrative scenarios and just it's really solid gameplay and doesn't really trip over itself very much. It's it's just good miniatures gameplay. I've tried to dabble in like the painting YouTube streams and stuff like that. But outside of that, I'm not really a minis gameplay player. Mm -hmm. And really in 2023, I want to make it a priority to play more kill team because it's that good. So is that Warhammer? That's tactical Warhammer. It's like squad based. um, And that's Warhammer. The, uh, like the Warhammer is at 40 K 40 K. Yeah. So there is a, there's a fantasy version of that called Warcry, um, which also I would like to try. But this is the 40K version of it. And okay. it's just like, obviously, if you want to go balls deep into Warhammer Kill Team, you can get every faction or whatever. But if you know you want to play this one faction, like I have the Sisters of Battle. That's all I have painted right now. Love playing them. They're a great team. They look awesome. Thanks to my buddy Zach. And that's fine. I can just show up with my Sisters of Battle, and that's all I need. I don't need hundreds of dollars of models. And that's great. Perfect. Not that I haven't spent hundreds of dollars of models that are like sitting unpainted, but I didn't have to. <laughs> nice. All right. What about you, Rich? Uh, for me, it's Advanced Squad Leader. And it's not just because I love the game, because I've talked about that enough, but actually um, for an even better reason. So my daughter for a while has been saying, you know, one of these days, Dad, I, I want you to teach me how to play ASL. And then, you know, it's it's come up a few times. And then since she's been home over Christmas break, we finally got around to it and we've started playing. We played a couple of times in the last week and she absolutely loves it. So it's like to the, to the point where she's coming to me saying, hey, Dad, can we play ASL? So she's loving it it's my favorite game of all time and hey i may have a face-to-face asl partner for life now so i'm super thrilled about that 
Awesome. Yeah, she's even like, you know, when I've told her about some of the historical stuff and she's super excited. She's, you know, we're playing a, a small scenario now, but she's like asking about bigger stuff and talking. She loves legacy games. So I told her about the campaign scenarios. Oh. And yeah, so we're going to we're going to dive in deep this year, I think. That's awesome. I kept trying to get my oldest daughter, she's three, to <laughs> pick up Pacific War and it's just like it's not happening. Oh, well, I got to say, I've been working on this one for a long time. Yeah. She's 22, so. <laughs> oh, this is oh, this is your oldest daughter. Yeah, not the 13-year-old. The 13-year-old awesome. only knows her electric guitar. That's the only thing she cares about in the world right now. Oh, that's awesome, dude. <laughs> Very good. Well, there's lots of stuff I'm looking forward to in 2023, but those are the games that immediately jumped out at me. I'm sure I could talk about all the games that I want to play and ought to play. And we, you mentioned the Hexasim Napoleonic games before we started recording. It's like, oh, yeah, I should really do those. <laughs> Anyways, those are things I know I'm going to play. And so that's like a real smart goal because it's attainable and approachable and manageable. Um, that's not the right order of the SMART acronym, but whatever, you get the point. Folks, that's going to almost be it for the War Game Talk. Everything from this point on, other than the last thing I'm about to plug, will not be about War Games. So if you don't care about things like Magic the Gathering or Rich Watching America's Next Top Model or our other favorite TV shows, you can go ahead and unplug. But I recommend you stick around. So, final thing. This is not the last time you'll hear from me in terms of what the best stuff of 2022 was. Our ballots to the judges for the Historical Board Game Awards are going out at the end of January. We'll tabulate. We'll get a Then we'll do the fan vote based off the final nominations from the judges. Retabulate, and we will have your three award winners for the Historical Board Game Awards for 2022 shortly after that. Excellent. Yeah, really looking forward to it. Yeah. Got a good group working on that. Yes, we do. All right, Rich, anything else you want to mention or discuss in terms of board gaming or war gaming? No. I'm going to stop talking war games now. You've already stopped. Only three of your games are war games. <laughs> well, <laughs> there were some. Like, I mean, I could go through, like, my top 20 and, like, talk about all the things that just missed. Hatton and Flames. That was new to me this year. That was awesome, Rich. Last 100 yards, Solomon Islands. Brings in the Japanese. Next War, Poland. Okay, that's, like, just love for Next War. I didn't really actually play that. <laughs> Greater Victory. Um, what else? Just Well, we already mentioned Red Flag of Repairs. So, I mean, there's some more, like, just to keep my War Game card in check. But those other games were even better. Yeah. How about train games? You're like, right. you're way bigger into train games than I am. So, I mean, I've talked about this. I enjoy them. Um, I think I need, if, if, if I wanted to play more train games, I would have to stop being so scatterbrained about it. You know what I you mean? You need a live play. Yeah. You need a yeah, live play with, and did you play with your family? Didn't you do 46 with your family or something? No. Oh, we, okay. We were going to play. Oh, you did one. Irish Gage. You did Irish Gage. Yeah, yeah, we played that a couple times. And I have yeah. played a couple live train games. I played like the first time I ever played an eighteen X game XX XX game was live. Um, I think it was uh which one is the Midwest? Is that forty nine? Forty six. Forty six. Yeah, I think it was forty six, so yep. So this is a good and I've played you, 18 Al with my family twice. So Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a great one. Yeah. I think this like whether you call it being scattered brain or like on the surface level is a good segue into eighteen seventeen and what I wanted to mention about it is 
if you asked me at the beginning of the year or I don't know when June, I would talk about how much I don't really like 1817. And I think part of it was this like not really diving in approach to it because you can go through and I'm not saying this about you because I've done it to you for several 18xx titles. This happens to a lot of people. I just go through the motions because 18xx.games allows me to go through the motions. Sure. And that was my problem with 1817. Some point over the summer, I was like, I want to give 1817 another try. You know, we have a lot of people that associ- that we associate with. Rex plays it like every other week or some crap like that. I want to get to know this game. And I did. And I've it's completely flip-flopped from a game I really had no interest in spending the time playing. It's this big, meaty game with, with merges. And you can short shares and do a whole bunch of mean, nasty things in this game. Um it's now climbed to top four 18xx games for me. And I think part of that was just taking the time to be like, all right, I'm going to like dive into this. Now, some games you can appreciate and enjoy without like some massive deep dive. They're not that big of undertaking. 18AL, I think, is a lot of fun. 18 Mississippi is a game that's not very deep. But it's just a game I like because you kind of have these like privates with superpowers, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, if what I would recommend to you, if that's what you want to do, is let's do one of these. But let's do them live. Hop on Discord. We'll probably have to refresh our browser a bunch. But we can more or less play live on 18x.games. Or if we want to, we can, you know, get Tabletop Sim or something like that. But just having the conversation of there's so many things that I've learned just by being like reading more about 18xx.games, listening to different train game podcasts that are just things you like pick up. They're not they're not things I would have picked up like strategy wise on my own for sure without people telling me what to do or hearing about. Anyways, this was all going to be how great a year of train gaming it was with 1871, (laughs) 41, 1870, the old prince, 1832. All of those are those are probably like my four favorite 18xx games. And I played them all this year and three of them in person. And it was fantastic. And they're all they all do different things. 1832 is a game with with mergers and um, like share protection and things like that. 1817 has mergers, but it's like ramped up on crack and has shorting shares 1841 has like reverse mergers you can split off companies 1870 you can split off companies but it's way more limited and the track lay is way more different you wind around and it has a ton of trains and trains just keep moving 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 all really great experiences so and the last thing i'll say is just dutch inner city i've already talked about it but holy smokes i, I can't talk about this game enough it just a banger i the the middle gymnastics i'm doing in my head to evaluate when to hopefully close out the auction or how much to bid before uh this player drops out it's just what a great year for train gaming in addition to to war gaming yeah dutch under city to open up historic fest sounds like a perfect idea yeah and it plays fast like you can get into way longer cube rail games but dutch inner city really clips along so um some great games churning through dot games thank you everyone who's played with me over the year rob patrick jason tank jason duck rex you bill dan 
everyone from Dome that I've played with. I'm sure I'm forgetting people, and I'm sorry for forgetting you, but um, I mean, it's an insane amount. I'm looking at like my past games, and it's just like an, uh, an insane amount of finished games this year, and it was great. Yeah. The <laughs> other thing I for me, uh, 2022, and not a war game, but my family played Pandemic Season Zero. So um, my daughter, the 22-year-old, and I, we, we both played season one and season two together you know a couple few years ago i don't i don't even remember exactly when but pandemic season zero we, we actually started in january and finished it in december so it takes it took us a year to play with her going back and forth school and everything but and the four of us finding time to do it but i mean we all had a blast doing it it's if you've ever played pandemic legacy um it's you know, if you like Pandemic, it's it starts off like regular Pandemic and then quickly changes, but it's still the same basic mechanics. And, you know, there's story stuff and the board changes and it gets very hectic as you're trying to do the different objectives and everything. And it's just, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I would highly recommend it uh, if you enjoy that type of thing. So um, we played we played them in the order they came out. So one, two, and then zero. And I think that's probably the best order to play in. Um, one, Pandemic Season, Legacy Season 1 was still my favorite out of the three, but I liked Zero better than two. Nice. This is something I've always wanted to play, but I will probably never play because my wife really <laughs> dislikes co-op games. Oh, really, really dislikes Pandemic specifically. Yeah, yeah, my family loves co-op games. Mm-hmm. It's like most of the time when we play a family game, it's going to end up being a co-op game. Yeah, and I'm very picky on my co-op games. Hmm. But this is this is something I want to experience just because of all the buzz and how much praise these games get. But probably unlikely unless it just kind of falls into my lap one day. Yeah. Yeah, and then next year hopefully we'll be playing Frosthaven, which is another big co op game, so there you go. Now she did like Gloomhaven a lot, so oh, I guess that's, that's the one exception. Yeah. Uh sweet. Okay. Let's let's do all the other stuff, shall we? Sure. All right, let's start with best fiction. Take it away. Uh, this is actually end of the year. We just, so <laughs> um, my wife and I listened to 112263, which is the Stephen King sort of time travel book about a guy trying to stop the Kennedy assassination. And we both really got into this book. In fact, so on New Year's Eve, we were, we had a couple parties we were going to go to and, um, and my wife wasn't feeling well. So we decided we were just going to stay in. And the two of us stayed up until awesome. like two thirty in the morning on New Year's Day, binging the last six hours of this book. So yeah, we enjoyed it quite a bit, and we actually started the Hulu series, and immediately were like, "Well, that's not like the book." So we kind of got turned off by it. But oh. the book was great. It was definitely the best fiction book we read this year. You know, I'm I'm a big sucker for like teen angst coming of age movies yeah. <laughs> and TV shows. Like, and I'll admit it. When thir- season one of 13 Reasons Why came out, my wife had read the book. She's like, oh, I really like this. We should watch this show. And it's got this like banging soundtrack. And I watched it. And I think we watched the first episode. And this was before we had kids. And so my wife was was working five days a week and all that stuff. She's like, I got to go to bed. I was like, I love this. And I stayed up and watched every episode of 13 Reasons Why all night from beginning to end and like just didn't sleep that night because i was like so into it it's been a long time since something has gripped me like that so it's awesome to hear that uh this had that effect on you cool all right i had to go way back because between two fires i talked about that that's kind of the um 
Lovecraftian, but Angels versus Demons medieval book by Christopher Buhlman. It was fantastic, but if I really have to think about my best fiction from the year, it's going back all the way to January of 2022, Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer. This is oozing Lovecraft vibes. It's very weird and kind of unlike anything I've ever read, but holy shit, is it like just so atmospheric? Uh, I need to, my goal is to reread this and then read the rest of the trilogy. It's called Southern Reach. And this is the first book. It's only, I don't know, 200 pages or something like that. It's not very long. Uh, 195 pages according to Goodreads. I love this. The audiobook was fantastic. It had a great, just like chill to it. Very creepy, very mysterious, very Lovecraftian. Highly, highly recommend Annihilation. Nice. I'm adding both of those to my list because those. So oh good. man, Between Two Fires is just right behind it. That's Excellent. why I'm cheating and mentioning too. <laughs> and I'm gonna do it again with nonfiction. Okay, so you know, again, another book I read early in the year mm-hmm. is The War of the Roses by Dan Jones. Yeah, and which I've, is one that I haven't read yet by him. I've read it, a bunch of his I, other ones, but yeah. I mean, you could pick a Dan Jones book and throw it on here and you're going to be pretty safe, right? (laughs) But it was just looking back on that reading experience, it took me a long time to get through it, like a month, better part of a month to get through it. Um, But fantastic. So well written and very interesting uh, covering the rise of the Tudors. Very good. But my number one, the one that just edged it out, was something I mentioned recently, The Outpost, An Untold Story of American Valor. Just because the emotion it evokes and, and brings out, it's it's so well-written, it's so interesting. Again, it's Kap Keating, um during Kamdesh in uh, War for Afghanistan. Super recommend it, and go ahead and read Red Platoon while you're at it. I've, I've talked about those books ad nauseum. Um, just fantastic, five out of five. Yeah, those are both on my list, thanks to you. All right, uh, so early in the year, I read Six Frigates, and I remember at the time I said, if I managed to read a book better than this, I would be very surprised. And then it got to be the end of the year, and <laughs> I was like, wow, the Ian Toll Pacific War trilogy was even better. I mean, I can't put anything above what the Pacific War trilogy was. It was just, it was the Pacific War of books. So it was fantastic from beginning to end. It was huge and detailed and interesting and uh, i mean i get it's if i want to if at some point in a few years i want to read another pacific war book i will probably read that one again just because it was so good nice okay um let's keep it moving uh best tv and movies yeah for me it was andor I gotta watch which this. yeah so um i've been it's funny because, I mean, I was, um, I'm was i a big Star Wars fan. I've been a big Marvel fan, which are the reason I mention them both is because they're both under Disney now. And, and I'm not even going to say, I mean, I'm no sort of expert, so I'm not going to say, oh, it's Disney's fault since they bought them. But both franchises have been declining recently, and they've been putting a lot of stuff out that, to be fair, I watch it anyway, but I'm like, eh, whatever. Not Andor. Andor was fantastic. Andor was, I mean, and and I think what they did with Andor is I think they, instead of trying to tell a Star Wars story, they told an excellent story in the Star Wars universe. And I think it made all the difference. 
yeah, this is top of the list for me for 2023. There's a whole bunch of stuff I want to watch on HBO or, um, excuse me, I, Apple yeah. that we haven't watched because we haven't had Apple in the past before, but we'll drop something and pick it up. Um, but before I jump to the Apple stuff, I'm going to watch Andor for sure. Cool. Uh, and Slip of the Tongue with HBO. This was a 2021 release. I don't think I got to this in 2022, or if I did get it to it in 2021. Sorry, I don't know if I got to it in 2021. If I did, it was after we recorded. Anyways, it's the Dune movie. Um, what a great sense of atmosphere and just visual effects. Not like the best thing I've ever watched, but as a big fan of Dune, I thought it did a great job. Yeah, and me as not a fan of Dune, like I've never done it consumed any doom books or movies or anything you read the books no i never read the books i never oh, saw the old bitch. movies this was my introduction to the dune universe and for a new guy it was it was good i mean it it's it made me want to see the next movie whenever that one's going to come out you gotta you gotta listen to the audiobooks man they have like an audio cast oh uh, they're so yeah. good yes yes add it to your list it's so good all right and you can stop with just Dune. Like, you don't have to keep going. And if you really want to keep going, you can do the first three books and then never look at anything past the first three books. Cool. Oh, you got to read Dune. Well, you don't have to, but <laughs> you should read Dune. The other thing I'll mention, and this one was kind of a bit of a surprise, but the more I think about it, the more it just checks a lot of boxes, is Wednesday on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's got creepy vibes. It's not scary. Um, it's got teen angst. It's got all kinds of just different cool, like they're at the school and everyone's got all these different, uh, things that make them an outcast. It was really well acted and casted and it was just a lot of fun. Again, nothing that's, I'm going to, you know, go down as one of my favorite shows of all time, but you know, even with the midnight club coming out this year, I was really kind of pressed for something, and then as I was, I was going through stuff, it's like, oh, yeah, Wednesday. We had a ton of fun uh, watching Wednesday this year. And then, of course, I think CB Strike was new to me this year. I'll mention that. That was a fantastic show. And then, you know, shit like Great British Break Off and stuff. We love yeah. that stuff. My daughter's oh. really been bugging me to see Wednesday, so we'll, we'll oh, watch it's that so soon fun. enough. And Your Midnight 13-year-old? Club, I've heard bad things about. I heard it wasn't that good. It's fine. It's I've just, seen the first three. I, I didn't see. I haven't seen Midnight Club yet, just because I didn't hear good things about it. Um. Yeah, I mean the first three just set the bar. So, yeah. um. First off, is your thirteen-year-old the one interested in Wednesday? Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it has like some violence and stuff, but it's oh, it's so good, and yeah. it's not like overly bad. But anyways, that's for you to decide. Uh, Hotel Port- Portofino is a PBS masterpiece show. It's not quite as good as Darrell's in Corfu, Corfu, which is, um, one of my favorite P- uh, PBS masterpiece shows, but it takes the same vibes and the same good feelings I got from, uh, Darrell's in Corfu and did something similar. Um, so hotel Portofino is a British hotel in Italy, but it's during the rise of fascism in the 1920s and it's just all the shenanigans they get up to. That was really good as well. If you like period dramas, hotel Hmm. Portofino was pretty darn good. But again, if you haven't seen Darrell's and Corfu, just go watch Darrell's first. And then if you want more like that, watch hotel Portofino. All right. I think that covers that. I think we have consensus on best drink of the year. Oh yeah, this is a no-brainer. It's the sink pack. Yeah, old-fashioned with rum. 
old chesty old our chesty. good friend <laughs> old chesty chesty yeah so i mean it's an obvious one for me i, I mean i love an old-fashioned you take an old-fashioned throw some rum in there you get a good drink you know what i don't necessarily love an old-fashioned and i love this and i think it's the lack of like is vermouth an old-fashioned i don't know i don't even remember what's in an old-fashioned not the way Maybe. i make it no and maybe there's not. I could be yeah. way off. I just, I'm just not an old-fashioned fan. But, yeah. man, these are strong. They're good. And if I were drinking tonight, I'd be drinking a sink pack. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's close it out, Rich. With And then we'll do, like, final thoughts and, and whatever, whatnot. Yes, I'm excited to see your choice for, for RPG out here because that's something that I think I'm going to be starting soon. Okay. But, yeah, yeah so RPGs. RPG of the, year, of the year was... I mean, this was a tough one for me because... Um, and I'm in a Warhammer fantasy RPG campaign that we've been playing for. I think gosh, that was your pick last year. Yeah, probably was because we've been playing for two, three years and it's still, I mean, I'm enjoying the system. It's great. Um, alien is new to me this year. Um, but so I haven't fun. played it that much, but I like it a lot. I love the whole concept of the stress dice and everything, but I think for me more than anything else, it's call of Cthulhu. Um, that's just I started playing Masks and Arlethep this year. I've, I'm looking to run some one-shots in Modern. I've got the Pulp book because I want to play around with, you know, actually shooting and fighting monsters rather than run away from them. There's just so much you can do on Call of Cthulhu, and I've run through some sessions with you with Tomstown. It's just a great system. I enjoy it quite a bit. Yeah, I've had a great time with Call of Cthulhu. I th- like, full disclosure, I think I like playing Call of Cthulhu more just because I like... I want to experience the creepy yeah. <laughs> mysteries. Um, but my pick of the year has to be Savage Worlds. Uh, so shout out to Art. Um, this was not a busy RPG year for me. But Art's in space game and he has a game set in Deus Volt. He's taken Deus Volt and converted it to Savage Worlds. And I've just been super... So his games are fantastic. But as a system, Savage Worlds is seems to be really just about the action mm-hmm. um combat doesn't seem to really bog down i've only done two sessions with savage worlds and then character creation i've really enjoyed uh creating my character the system is fun like you kind of have like exploding dice to a certain extent really looking forward to patrick's gonna do a um weird west savage worlds and so there's some savage worlds in my future, and I'm yeah. very impressed with the system. Certainly, one, I didn't play a lot of new stuff in, in 2022, but even even if I did, I, I, I am still very much looking forward to this as a system uh, and what it has in store. Yeah, so my only experience with Savage Worlds is from a few years ago. We did play Deadlands, which is the Weird West. Yeah, that's what it is. And yeah. that was one of my favorite all-time gaming experiences. But I got some local friends here who um, have been talking about playing a game. I'm going to run something for them. And they all come from D&D, and I'm just not a big fan of the D&D system. But I figure I can play Savage Worlds, and we can play it in a fantasy setting. And so I'm sure. going to do something in, uh, I think, three weeks so yeah i'll let you know how that went yeah and i'm happy to say that my rpg is uh scaling up i bought um index card rpg i'm very excited for that which is kind of system agnostic but looks to be really fun and then i'm doing a finally this has been my like dream setting i'm doing a hellboy slash bprd-esque 
uh, game and the approach we're kind of taking there is we're trying out a different a bunch of different systems until we find what sticks and so we're starting out with a rules light system called agents of the odd hmm. which is based off of oh agents of the odd I'm not familiar with what it's based off of but it's based off of electric um well now I don't remember oh well I'll edit this part out. Anyways, really looking forward to that. It's rules light. Read through the rules there. Seems to not really get in the way of itself, but seems to allow you to play in the Hellboy universe quite easily or do BPRD things. So I've got that running. And of course, I mean, the Genesis, um, which setting wise blows Savage Worlds out of the water, but like rules wise, I think Savage Worlds is a better system just because the genesis is all about the art so mm-hmm. i've got that going on it's just going to be a good kind of returned rpg uh year and shout out to our buddy uh hollywood for running and keeping consistently a monthly game of curse of strahd ongoing through busy schedules and family commitments and all that stuff curse of strahd has been fantastic as well but again system wise yeah savage worlds for definitely has my ear way more than dnd 5e right now nice Okay. All right, Rich, any closing thoughts or anything you want to say? Um, only that I would say, you know, we, we talk about it every every two months when we record, but, you know, join the Discord. That's the best place to talk to us. It's the best place to talk to the other listeners, to find games. Um, there's lots of people there arranging games, looking for games all the time. So um, I, I can't think of any better place to arrange them than, than on, a, on the Discord channel. Yeah, links in the show notes. And we'll cut all the other stuff short because... Well, you just heard from us, and you'll hear from us again in a few weeks when we do the short game extravaganza, all that stuff. But again, folks, like statistically, I I like looking at stats and stuff, but they don't matter because, again, whether my mom is the only listener out there or we have a million Patricks out there, (laughs) one, I'd be ecstatic if we had a million Patricks out there, whatever the case may be. It's so fun, but this year was was our best year, um, obviously, which just getting better and better, and we did more episodes than we've done in the past. I'm really happy with just, like, having the option to drop in Deserted Island Dice slash Deserted Island Dads, depending on what the topic of questions will be and who our guest is, but also, you know what, if we just want to do a pickup designers on the mic, and then just more importantly, just having fun with Rich every month. Uh, and sitting down and talking about games we enjoy and what we've been up to is just, it's great. And so thank you for making it the best year that we've ever had. And you know what? I know it's eight months away at this point, folks, but come hang out with us in Kansas City. Historic Fest is going to be great this year. Um, I kind of eased the brakes over the holidays, but you know what? We're eight months out, and it's time to start ramping up, and it's uh, maybe not lock your game picks in, but... Yeah, it's time to start making plans for a sword start, to, start to talk about games anyway. Yeah, yeah. Got plenty of time, but uh, I'm excited. And so come hang out with us, whether it's in person or on the Discord. Absolutely. All right. Well, it's already 10 days past the new year, but here we are. <laughs> and we'll be back in just a few new weeks. Year. Yeah, happy new year. Thanks again. And yeah, we'll see. You're getting three episodes this month from us. Wow. And we've got a deserted island dice on the on the <laughs> menu, but I told them I was like, well, 
let's wait until like <laughs> February or March because we're about to dump uh, a whole bunch. Yeah. Awesome, Rich. Awesome. Great Thank choices. You. Good games. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Have a good night. Bye.